welcome back to the basement fellow music lovers you're now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here on chunky glasses the podcast i'm your host kevin as usual i hope you're comfortable hope you're staying cool recording this on sunday where i believe the technical term for this uh situation we're in is it is hot as fuck here in dc um but this is a cool podcast so this might might help you cool down it's good podcast listening weather you can sit inside all day for the next few days and just listen to all 209 previous episodes of this 210 if you're counting this um we're gonna be talking about michael kiwanuka today he has a new album out called love and hate his first album uh home again a couple years ago was one of my favorites neo soul folk soul however you want to call it it's it was a fairly badass record. He is back with uh, Danger Mouse on board to uh, to give it a go again, and uh, we're going to talk about that record. We are going to talk about the uh, band Zula from Brooklyn, uh, New York City. Just happened to see them, actually, at Rockmore Hotel. They were opening for our friends Brenda, which I, I want to point out here. Uh, you know, I've seen Brenda a bunch of times. And uh, if they're listening, you know, that, that show was the tightest and the best I think I've ever seen them play. I know they've been on tour but and got to tighten up, but uh, that was that was a hell of a set. And uh, I tweeted out at the time, I said, you know, this is the pylon, uh, the band from the 80s that we deserve. And it's true, I have not seen anything like that quite since the 80s. So I think maybe they're on the, maybe they're about to blow up or turn into something new. I don't know, but it was, it was kind of mind-blowing. The whole bill was mind-blowing, though. You had them, you had Leapling, and uh, Zula. And so we're going to play a track from them. Their album is out uh, on the uh, 26th of August, Grasshopper. And then um, and then we're going to talk about a little... I've talked about techno classism on this podcast before, but I've also mentioned the term techno-racism. Uh, I don't know if those are actual terms, but uh, that's the only way I can think to explain it. And uh, so we have a case of this that might be going on uh, that sort of surfaced in the New York Times as a as a piece that was meant as an ad almost for uh, just De La Soul's new album. But uh, if you dig deeper into the article, uh, you see that uh, it goes into why you can't get their records on any streaming services. It is It involves copyright. I'll tell you that. Uh, it involves uh, you know, people not willing to take chances in, in an environment where you can easily get sued just for stealing someone's vibe as we saw with the Robin Thicke case. And uh, now Ed Sheeran actually is in trouble. Uh, but really uh, what it amounts to is uh, tremendous pieces of our culture as a people, black culture specifically, but our culture as a people being sort of locked behind some weird digital barrier, digital jail that uh, is a danger it might go away. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, you should listen to that. And uh, if you can do something about it, do. So that's your podcast uh, for this week, finishing off uh, this week on a Thursday. So if you guys are ready, if you're comfortable, if you have a beverage, maybe a fan blowing, uh, maybe you got somebody like wave a fan on you, like old school. I don't know. You're eating grapes or something. Here we go. This is episode number 210 of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, where we're reviewing the new album from Michael Kiwanuka, Love and Hate. Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up and then ask me. That right there is a logical fallacy. Again, time is a flat circle. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> you may start ripping these beer Shit up got interstellar. <laughs> um, uh, welcome back, guys. Patrick, you're back here yet again. It's amazing. Like, it's unbelievable how like, available I am. Yeah, you're a busy guy, but somehow you end up here twice. Every once in a while. Uh, Eduardo, uh, glad to see you out from behind the, the stack of CDs. Where you was know, Eduardo when Boylan was here? Just under the futon? I don't understand. No, I was hovering Batman-like okay. against, <laughs> against the corner of the ceiling. If you, if, if you listen quietly, once in a while you hear this, I'm Batman. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to make bat noises, but no, 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 it's no, actual, no, I'm no, Batman. No, it's just, I'm Batman. I also say, I talk like this because I'm complicated. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> good intro. Good intro. <laughs> yeah, this is good. Any, uh, we are gathered here today to talk about uh, 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 an album by a guy who we've talked about before. We were big fans of when Michael Kiwanuka. He has a new album out called Love and Hate. Been out for a little while. Uh, mm-hmm. This is also one of our. Uh, redo podcast so this should be fun because the first time i was wearing cargo shorts let the record show i'm yes. not wearing cargo shorts this time right which... whatever nadal <laughs> and, and cargo shorts are immensely appropriate for this album are they <laughs> so oh we're already starting in on that shit yeah sorry oh, um before before we do this though uh i want to talk about an article this gets into a lot of our streaming talk as well as a uh, legendary hip-hop band mm. uh there's an article in the new york times about de la soul their their upcoming album which i was uh i'm gonna mark this did we know the name of the album it's called it's i'm looking uh, that was the most exciting part of the article yeah i did not you. It, on, it's a good on, name i don't remember what it you. is i got you yeah Hit pause on the recording button. I'm actually going to edit this out, but that's okay. No, don't. Don't do that. And the anonymous nobody. Okay. Out August 26th, August 26th. coming up. Yeah, and I've reached out about it. Psyched. So this is something we will we will get into in September for sure. So basically, the gist of the article is... Uh, it's sort of an ad for the new album and talking about how they made it, which is a fascinating thing. Like they're talking about they, mm-hmm. because of sampling laws and because of copyright law nowadays, uh, they hired, what was it, like a 200-piece band or something at one point? Yeah, they had yeah. their essentially their, their their touring act plus a bunch of special studio musicians just record hours and hours right. of stuff. Right? Sorry, that it was 200 then, hours. It yeah, was 200 yeah, hours right. of material. It was not 200-piece band. What is this, Chinese democracy? <laughs> yeah, well, well, you, you sort of have to because here, here's why they did that. Because until recently, or now still, you can't get their catalog on streaming right. services. You can't get it on digital to the point where just very year, frustrating on Spotify to try to yeah. find Daylight. Was Soul, it a I year or, or two it was years in, ago? It was in 2014. Yeah, it 2014. Was, it was right. It was it was like, it was like around Valentine's Day, and yeah. basically. Um, I saw, uh, or I got an email from someone saying, hey, you know, go to this website, give them your email address, and they're going to let you download. Fidelio, right. <laughs> right. And um, Nicole Kidman was not there. Oh. But, uh, but um, you know, I had uh, Three Feet High and Rising. I had De La Soul is Dead. Mm. I had heard these epic stories about Balloon Mind right. State, and I'd, yeah. I'd never had a chance to hear it. Um, had never found the CD used somewhere because some of these um, went out of print. Yeah, mm-hmm. they are. They're. I think they're all basically. You cannot buy new versions of this. Jesus. You can find them at Goodwill or something, but they basically do not exist. And there are probably. And now I actually just went on my phone and looked, and I have eleven De La Soul albums now in album music, yeah. thanks to really. Um, yeah, there's a couple of like wow. EPs and things like that. So, so the reason for this is all because of copyright law. It's we'll, we'll refer to it as a blanket thing. The uh, the Paul's boutique phenomenon, you know, <laughs> uh, which because that's the best example. Although there were over forty samples on uh, Three Feet High and Rising, and that's a pretty good case study. The yeah. song or the album? The album. I think there's actually sixty according. Are to there? Article, yeah. Oh. Um, well, not facts based, but we will certainly right. have the Sorry. link. So if you want to determine earlier. the facts, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, and but you you have what is arguably some of the well, it's not arguably some of the best hip hop in right. history. It is. Uh, it changed our culture. It changed how people are making music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but arguably, some of the best art that's been made by us as people in America ever. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. counting stuff like jazz. It's counting like Charlie Parker, Miles Davis. Uh, you know, all these people that is simply unavailable mm-hmm. because of our, uh, I, I don't even want to use the word arcane, just fucked up copyright mm-hmm. laws where they made this art out of necessity and they made it out of what they had amongst them. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And put it out and, uh, and changed, like changed the world for a lot of people. And, we can no longer get it anymore without getting sued, without like the album costing. I think with the Paul's Boutique uh, example, it would have cost something like $40 million, $50 million to make, yeah, which, you know, approaching Chinese democracy. <laughs> um, so, so maybe worlds. you can do it when you're white. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> um, so we're at the cusp of something here. Yeah. Like this is again burying the lead. 
Right. So so importantly, there is the new um, this new De La Soul recording, which sounds amazing. And it's, it, you know, the list of artists that they reached out to. And amazing. it's not it's unclear whether Includes anyone accepted. Rose tying Includes up Axel Rose and yeah. Tom Waits and a few other folks. Um, no, the, the, the new album is immensely exciting. The fact that people can't go back and listen to, no. um, you know, I've been putting Millie pulled a pistol on Santa on Christmas mixes <laughs> yeah. for years. Yeah. And that's my sort of go-to dark Christmas song. And it's yep. so fucking amazing. And I can't put it on a Spotify playlist. Mm-hmm. And I can't, you know, the only way I can give it to someone is on a CDR. Um, yeah. And, and look, the Spotify playlist thing is, that's an inconvenience. And we, we want yeah. all that. But the, you can't get it. Right, right. You can't right. you can't even purchase you, it. You ha- yeah. And this is the thing. You can't get it. So we're relying now on people who have this to like carry the culture forward like this important thing you know we're we're in the olympic yeah. season you're carrying the torch well you and know, that's going to die out you and i were talking about basehead not too long ago yeah who Kevin, the fuck has heard play with toys yeah right so so there's plays with toys and the first basehead album that i heard was had this great song called do you want to fuck or what <laughs> and and i found plays now? with toys oh. <laughs> yeah this was this was in the 90s and i found play, no, I plays with asking. toys you and me, Patrick. I'll repeat the question. <laughs> now, Go ahead. Um, I found one of them used at like a CD game exchange 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, those are largely out of business because uh, they were considered to be right. bootleg factories, basically. <laughs> you don't say. Are yeah. you saying that the copy of Bathe in the Stream of Pure Heat, Pure Heat Dylan Bootleg CD that I bought at a store like that in Chicago that after about six months, stopped operating as a CD is a is a rip. Are you saying it's not a real? I'm CD? saying you bought a great story out of that, including <laughs> yeah. a CD Are that stopped saying... playing. <laughs> it's a Japanese import, anyway. <laughs> right. Ahead. Continue. Um, no, I think I think there's you know we. Um, I was thinking about this today too because um, Kevin, you and I were just chatting about. I didn't realize that there was this great Jerry Garcia band show yeah, from 1978 yeah. here at the Warner Theater. Um, 318.78 is a great fucking show. And I've had decent, you know, fourth or fifth gen soundboard copies of it. And I'm thinking, why hasn't this been released? Well, somehow it did get released 11 or 12 years ago. And it and the licensing was on the up and up enough that it's in the in it's on Apple Music. Um, I don't know if it's on Spotify. I didn't mm-hmm. check. But and and so I had this thought of like, okay, licensing giveth and licensing <laughs> taketh away, away. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes there's these things that should not be out there um, that are. But but I feel like we end up, you know, uh, we end up having heartbreak over the times that licensing taketh away. And this is just a prime example of great music that it, an entire generation it, of up yeah, and coming musicians. It, it, it's can't. the hobbling of art. To be clear, yeah, no, that's, you, know, that's you, you guys. I don't know if you, if you're young enough listening to, or old enough to listen to remember this. The movie Misery, you know that scene where <laughs> where Kathy Bates lines up, like, puts a puts a two by four, yeah, between sure, his sure ankles, and, sure and, and then yeah. just whacks it. It was a sledgehammer. Yeah. That's what that's what we're doing to art right now. <laughs> okay. uh, well, calling it a dirty bird or a, <laughs> a good daddy. Patrick, what are you thinking? Um, mostly agree. I mean, I think part of the difficulty here is to have made an album i I, there might even be 60 samples just on the song three feet high you you could be right uh i don't remember but the point is to make an album with that many samples in full uh and and i don't i love the album so let that be on the record but i also think like the notion that you make an album where you're taking samples from things that are already copywritten mm-hmm. to that extent to build your base to build your sound you have to understand that there's risk there but they cleared the legal hurdles at the time at the time i think there was no, risk no i know right? but yeah. they didn't have that magic phrase in there which is in the article yeah. which is right, a little right. arcane i get that and i'm right like, i'm a lawyer this is not legal advice blah 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 but the um I think what's frustrating for all of us that grew up, uh, you're not as big a 90s hip hop guy as some of us. No, are. no. But for we me, st- we still have to revisit for the, me, score the De La Soul on this. On yeah, the, the uh, why am I not remembering the name of the band? Scenario, uh, Midnight Marauders, uh, Tribe, 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 yeah, Tribe, yeah. Tribe called so Quest. So De La Soul and Tribe and and and, and um, Paul's Boutique and. Uh, um, not down Beastie with the beasties. Boys. Not down with the beasties. Yeah, but uh, really, but I'll, I'll see. I'll, yeah, I'll see your those tribe. Those three are like, and and what's the one that had uh, Tennessee? 
Arrested, Arrested Development. development. Yeah. That's like the three the, years, the big five four months of yeah. like late nineties. Well, if you're going into that, Diggable Planets. Us Diggable three, Planets. I us love three had access. Like us three. Uh, us three had access to the Blue Note catalog. Right. The only, yeah, only right, right. and it shows group ever. Yep. But yeah. but my point is, there's this whole genre that is built on sampling, and to say that that genre has to go away, and and it's really it seems like only De La Soul is getting screwed here. Although <laughs> yeah, not right. all the um. Tribe stuff is on Spotify either. There's weird missing tracks on certain mm -hmm. albums because of, I assume, copyright. Scenario you cannot listen to on Spotify. Correct. Which Correct. is very upsetting. Yep. Um, so... Uh, no, it's it's a lot of this, and and it's it's a mild form, and this is going to be a hyperbolic statement, it, it, you know, just because of how it was, who made it. It's a mild form of, like, at this point, techno-racism, and we're erasing the stuff based on these laws and saying, oh... But we have this in this new space. But hey, these guys are violating this stuff. By the way, this happens to just be the music of black culture. That's not a direct. Yeah. I'm not going to be cynical and say that's a well, direct. Like no, no, no. I think right. it's that. not. It's not the intent. But 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 in general, but that's the effect, and it needs to be right. corrected. Right. Because of that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think um, I think there's there's a. Uh, differential mm -hmm. impact is an important consideration in policymaking. And so before you make a rule, you think about who will be the hurt, you know, who will be hurt the most mm -hmm. by that rule. And, and, and our regulatory environment or our legal environment around licensing is one such that, uh, this art form in particular is penalized. Yeah. Um, because, because here's what's happened now. And I, I think this is a positive, uh, artists have overcome. They hired the yeah, artists. Right. Uh, you look at Kendrick Lamar's album, They've got Kamasi Washington. Right, the solution band, is like, live musicians. Solution is live, live musicians, which yeah. is Odyssey. Bring, Odyssey, yeah, yep. which brings up a whole different host of other things uh, uh, that I talked about on the No Name podcast a little bit about. Uh, it changes the art form a little bit, but I, I don't mm -hmm. know. It doesn't have to change it too much. Uh, you can have live musicians achieving all of this, uh, right? But you can also do something like that and still get sued if it sounds similar. Now, thanks. Uh, Robin Thicke or yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> right. you know if, if, it, if it's you're, you're copping the vibe of a Marvin Gaye song because you don't yeah. want to use the sample so and again I think you're right it's like you have to look at like who this is impacting it's not impacting Kid Rock it's not impacting fucking Ockerville River yeah. who and right now <laughs> They're they're not they're hey not now. making Warren Zevon spin in his grave by, yeah, but let's by flip mixing it, let's him with flip Leonard it the other Skinner. Way. Yeah, let's flip it the other way because sometimes you have to argue the counterpoint. You always that, have to, and that is look, James Brown needs to get paid, man. Like he's, I, yeah. he's dead, but a lot of the samples that got used in hip hop in the '90s were James Brown samples. Are you? And I'm not saying James Brown owned the rights to all that because it's probably some bullshit record company. But at some point, it was probably James mm -hmm. Brown. So James Brown needs to get paid, and so you can't well, just did. say he, it's techno racism right, in right. the sense that a lot of what they're sampling is black music. Right, right. He he, he did some and, owned and, by white guys yeah, who run record. And, and but that's also the thing is like you need to we need to like figure out a fair compensation for that. And not oh you used it once right. and now and it's going to be used like in perpetuity you pay us ten thousand dollars a month right because nobody can afford that yeah like the price tag on these on these classic albums it's unaffordable production wise right. and they did it on like a like an old gear like we have here yeah they were using turntables so, and the equivalent but four tracks so can we connect something back sure and I don't want to derail but let's talk about the car seat headrest issue. Yeah, no, so this we, yeah. so it kind of ties right in because car seat headrest, yeah. as you have well covered on a very excellent podcast featuring Eduardo and Carrie mm -hmm. and you and not me, although I would have been a buy because it's a great album. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you had this whole discussion about there's this car seat headrest track that where he played the, the excerpt from the car song, which was wonderful and great. And the folks that own the rights to that, whether it was Rick Ocasek or his people or whomever the F it was. They, they had the international rights, so they didn't have the U.S. rights. Right. So they stepped in and said, you can't release the album like this. And Matador, Matador yeah. yep. had to go back and recut and redo, and there's all this loss. What would have happened if in, what year did Six Feet come out? 
1993, four? Three, yeah, three feet was 94. So yeah. what would happen if one or 10 or 15 or 30 of those artists had stepped in and said, no, 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 you can't do this. You got to go back and remake the song without this sample. Right. Well, it would have set a precedent earlier. And I, I right, think yeah. I, I'm on record as saying it was a mistake on Matador's part and I know, a but- mistake on Will Toledo's part because what this could have done is it could have gone up to the courts in a way that you're all of a sudden putting, and this is gross to say, all of a sudden putting a young white kid on the stand mm. saying, oh, okay, and set a precedent that you can do this. Because it, but did no in one my get mind, sued it, for Paul's Boutique? Huh? What about those the laws are young were just white different kids? Then. The laws came into effect yeah. after this because everybody wanted their cut of, mm. of this art form. And it wasn't the people making the music. It was the people who owned the music yeah. who were old white dudes. So, you know, now with streaming, I keep saying that, you know, for artists who don't like streaming being the new way that people consume music, um, you know, when I listen to the copy of Crooked Rain that I bought in 1994, mm-hmm. um, Pavement... By the way, that's a Pavement album, yeah. just in case you didn't know that Eduardo was referencing. Don't we have a sound for that when Eduardo talks about <laughs> Pavement? Is there a bell? Um, anyway, Pavement does not get paid when I listen to, to that, right? But if I choose to stream it at work, in theory, Pavement does get paid, however... <laughs> However, however little, but this, but this goes on, but, but this, but this goes yeah, on forever. Right? right. So like, I, you know, I listen to that album a lot. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the net result of these issues is that everyone who was paid once in 1989 has not been paid since. Yeah. Right. Because, because they've missed the download era. Uh, they've missed yeah. a good chunk of the streaming era mm-hmm. at this point. And artists are not going to get, be getting better deals. And I'm actually, I'll take that back. Maybe maybe they will get slightly better No, they better won't. Deals, That's why they haven't figured out how to do the deals because yeah. they're they're okay. they're basically stalling to figure out how they can fuck the artists some more. Yeah. So now we're talking about we're we're at close to thirty years of lost revenue. <laughs> yeah. Right from immensely important albums that uh, that the people whose work is sampled could have been making and and are not. And if you believe the way Dela tells it, it's because Warner is unwilling to do the legwork to do this. Yes. Which I think I think is correct. They're unwilling to do the legwork, and they're unwilling to assume the liability. But you're asking them to do the legwork so that they can make less money. Yeah, they're not gonna. No, no one, no corporation or law firm is. Well, I agree, and 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 this is this not gonna happen. They're they're, they're not making any money. The problem. They're not making any money from those recordings. Right. Is the point, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Right like, now, the, any, anything is more than zero, <laughs> which is what they're making right now from those recordings. Because because if you put in this reissue culture, if you put out some like super deluxe reissue of Three Feet High and Rising, I guarantee you, that's, oh, yeah. that's probably going to be one of the best selling albums of that year, and it's going to be one of the best reviewed mm, albums. Yeah. It's going to be in every, especially with Pitchfork, a being deluxe like, kind of package reissue yeah. of Three Feet High and Rising would get high marks across the board yeah. and it would if done well and it would get a lot of attention i agree with that yeah so yeah well, i mean what are we going to change the law i mean there's a whole other we are in dc <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> yeah uh, well, I mean, we have friends that are trying to change the law. We have a lot of artist friends. We have Casey Ray, yeah. who's Paul, no longer Paul, sure. who's no longer with the uh, the uh, Future Music Coalition, but he's still his actually. No, I met Paul. Huh? I met Paul. No, who Paul, works for the FCC. No, <laughs> Paul cannot change. Well, he can change certain laws, but not these laws. He's gonna get mad. We could we, could we could record a uh, a sort of fundraiser tune about uh, legalizing day law. We maybe. are oh, copyright. <laughs> yeah. We are. I'm all about that. Legalized Dela. Who's soul. playing what? With three of us? Yeah. Oh, who's it's, playing it's what? just it's just cat sounds mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put with a few Boston samples at the so end. Wait, is this a lyric video? I'm gonna play the the Jews harp just to demonstrate how white I am. Okay. Yeah. There's one upstairs. Excellent. Legitimately, it hurts your teeth because those things those things are not meant to be played. Uh, yeah. So so I mean you know look at the link in the article read the article uh, and and I know uh, Chad from Beauty Pill was talking about, I need to look into this too, how the New York Times was referring to them as their adult names, but I seem to remember a thing in yeah. in there where they actually were like referring to them as their adult names. Right. But yeah. but if yeah. that if that's a thing too, also uh, shame on New York Times. Yeah, shame on anybody for a... not acknowledging. Right. Like, you know, if somebody, that their MC name, whatever, like, that's who they are. Yeah. Right. Call them what they want to be called. Yeah, right. don't you fuck around it. with that. Exactly. So, um, 
So yeah, I got to change some laws. That's all I'm saying. I got to. Uh, I'll put. I actually have some links to how you can get around to changing some laws. And then go ahead. And if you're listening to this and you're 26 and you've never heard Three Feet High and Rising, for the love of God, buy a copy on CD or something. I will from give Amazon. you a copy. Go, Just, yeah, you go gotta on, hear it. And that's you have that's to go on important things. I mean, I hate to, find to it, but. go to the great soul of modern music of Questlove, who's quoted in the article, and just say. He, he's just regretting what a shame it is that people yep. aren't hearing this that yeah, would love it, it. that would a, love it and common is in there talking about it yeah paul's about to have a kid right. like if we were having kids like it, it would be a thing right there's a couple albums that are laid out and that's one of them right? yep. so uh you guys ready to talk about some uh michael kibanuka sure man let's do it i've been low i've been high i've been sold all my life I've got nothing left to play. I've got nothing left to say. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white. I'm in love, but I'm still sad. I found peace, but I'm not glad. All my nights and all my days, I've been trying the wrong way. I'm a black man in a white world. 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 I feel like I've been here before. I feel that knocking on my door. I feel like I. Yeah, the track is Black Man in a White World. That is off Micah Kiwanuka's second album, uh, Love and Hate. His first album, Home Again, was a nice little exploration into mm-hmm. uh, Neo Soul, I think. I don't know yeah, call it Neo Soul. Yeah. It, it was looking back. It was the stuff that is, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, us bait. Like middle-aged folk who are just like, I remember that music. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there's there's good parts and bad parts to that. Um you know, as as you heard there, this is a uh, you know it's a protest song. He's a folk singer, and uh, there's a lot more of the protest on this album. I mean, if some of it is more of the personal type, yeah, uh, there is uh, that song, and then I think uh, Final Frame is maybe a little more protesty, but mm-hmm. uh, a lot of this is about heartbreak, and some of it's about outer space, which we're gonna get to. <laughs> uh, it really is. Uh, you know, this is like a mix of Marvin Gaye. And the future sounds of Danger Mouse, which is something that we have to talk about, like right up front. You don't hear it that much on that song, you know. And that yeah. song doesn't sound like anything on the last album. Uh, but as you dig deeper into this, you know, Danger Mouse of Norris Barkley, of Gorillas, of uh, who else? The one he Broken did with Bells, the shin, the Broken Shins Bells, guy. and yeah. stuff. He, he did he an is, album. He did that Italian music album, right? He did that something with David good. Lynch, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he is the in-demand producer. Black Keys album that was okay. Right. And I and and I want to. I'm going to do something because I hope this is going to be a nice curve up. I'm going to start on a negative point here, and then Uh-oh. is that I can't stand Danger Mouse's production anymore. It's manner. I will not stand for Danger Mouse's production <laughs> anymore. And, and it threatens, to my mind, to sort of derail uh, what is otherwise a wonderful album. So from there, mm. uh, let's go to you, Eduardo. That's what you got. Yeah, well, I think there's there's some interesting um, orchestration. Um, you know, I think where you get a lot of the, um, and everyone just heard, uh, you know, when you get the strings and the backup singers, mm-hmm. you start to evoke like a very specific 70s. Right. Isaac Hayes, Curtis Mayfield. um, that kind of sound you get into sort of like Jackie Brown or dead president soundtrack, uh, territory. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be done cheaply and there's a few moments in this album. I was kind of, um, I went a little bit down a rabbit hole. Um, and, and Kevin and I joked about this before of like, there's, there's, there's production like Danielle Lanois on like late eighties Dylan that gives things a very warm and at the same time distant sound. 
And then there's production like John Bryan, who mm-hmm. did, um, you know, Fiona Apple and some of the Amy Mann stuff and the Magnolia soundtrack, where it's just so fussy and all that. Yeah. And, and 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 that's sort of like your Christopher Nolan versus Zack Snyder to keep with the uh, Superman theme that we invoked earlier, yeah, yeah. the Batman theme. But, um, you know, I think sometimes Danger Mouse gets a little bit in the way here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the songs can be a little rigid and as a result, they can sound a little bit safe. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's the problem is that what he's bringing to the table is safety Yeah, for whatever reason. And look, he's really good at what he does, but for whatever reason, like his sound, which is to my ear, like very compressed, very, uh, exact, like no, no room for, no room for movement has become the norm for a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff. And it doesn't sit well. It doesn't, you know, if you think about this as a soul album, uh, which I think it is. I think, I it think, is, yeah. I think it, you know, the, the comp to Marvin Gaye isn't just in his voice. It's like a lot of things that he's saying. Uh, old soul albums had room to breathe yeah. and they felt lived in. And well, and, the, and the musicians could stretch re- out. recorded in like an abandoned theater in Memphis. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> but, 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 I, but I get the feeling that like there's not a lot of opportunities for the musicians here to stretch out. And to sort of take a solo, or to right. you know, there's there are yeah, really yeah, but flip it around. Like think about the Good Gorillas albums; they're pretty exacting. But Gorillas aren't a solo album, and he produced uh, or co-produced Demon Days. He did, which is one yeah. of my favorite albums great of all time. Album. Love it. Yeah, but he hasn't shown much growth since then. Well, that's what like, I mean by mannered. He, he, I think it's a little mannered. He's really good at the one thing. I think he's and really man. And if you want that one thing on your record, but you know we're. We're talking about Michael Kiwanuka. Right. Yeah. Well, let's, so let's maybe so maybe this is the transition. So the question I have is because I agree with most of what's been said and I think his production is mannered. The question I have is there's a lot of slow burners on this. Mm-hmm. And what happens with the slow burners is you can hear Danger Mouse getting impatient with the slow burn and trying to dress <laughs> it up with a chorus. There's an overuse of chorus on some songs, an overuse of other things. Yeah. And so the question I have is, is that on, for this album, let's just shut out everything else. Is that on Danger Mouse or is that on Kiwanuka? Are there too many slow burners that were picked for this album for whatever reason that you end up the Danger Mouse edition ends up being overpronounced? I mean, or slow, is it the flip side? You, because you, you take an album like Nightbeat, which is a lot of slow burners right. and stuff. And, uh, and even what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, I wouldn't call them burners. Yeah. It was just a very... Uh, you're floating down the river of whatever right. he's he's laying down, and so yeah, I put it squarely on Danger Mouse. I uh, and well, no, it's on Kiwanuka because he agreed to it. Well, I feel yeah. like if there had been in the second half of this album one or two a little more up tempo, it just wouldn't be quite as noticeable on the Danger yeah. Mouse front. Yeah, so, I don't know if it's a mix. That's what I'm saying. Is like to me, there's a little bit of a chicken egg thing. Like, did Kiwanuka write a lot of songs? That Danger Mouse got impatient with, and yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. That, I, you know, that's what I'm saying. Well, well, there's, I think Not some to say of that's that, Kiwanuka's fault. I'm just saying, but but right. some of it, and it's it's funny how this is playing out exactly, you know, the way the first one did, where we ended up having all these minor quibbles up front before right. yeah, saying yeah. it's a great fucking album. Yeah. So right, right, um, right, right. But 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 let me say there is the thing that keeps bugging me about this album is that. Um, uh, and I think this is something that I've I've said here before is that I need you know if you describe if you use a noun uh, like love or hate like I need to understand what that means and I need to feel it mm-hmm. and and there's a lot of general words that are not that specific that are not rendered more concrete by the songs that they're used in um, mm-hmm. and that's and so and and that that leads you into kind of platitudes and cargo shorts is is. Uh, <laughs> Isn't well, that you, your new podcast, Platitudes and Cargo Shorts? <laughs> That'd be amazing. Is there a market for that? It, <laughs> I think there is. Um, yeah, they all hang out in Georgetown. Um, <laughs> Braided belts. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, yeah, but, you know, so, so to that point, you know, you, you've mentioned Ben Harper, you know, like, mm-hmm. where's the line on this, become, that was, this yeah. becoming a Ben Harper album? Well, right. Last last time around, we were yeah, saying, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I like a lot of Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals output. Um but I don't think it gets, I, I don't think it's going to, I don't think his stuff garners the same amount of critical praise that Michael Kiwanuka will. No, no, right? for sure not. You know, and, and, mm. uh, you're not saying he'll date Laura Dern. Is that what you're 
You know, and and I think what happens here is is to get off the production a little, uh, start transitioning this is that you get to a track like Falling that has uh, lyrics like, uh, "I always knew you'd let me down," and then I'm a man who belongs alone. Thought that was plain to see. Uh, you know, that is a uh, plaintive, mm-hmm. universal statement. Uh, it is wrapped in a gorgeous, like yeah. arrangement, uh, and Kiwanuka's voice, regardless of who's producing it, is. Like superb, like butter. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it is. You know the the comparisons to Marvin Gaye, to Sam Cooke, to all these soul singers of old, like that. I think when people talk about soul music, uh, they're talking about that. There was a oh fuck, his name was Ryan. I can't remember his name, but he was really he, he was he had he had the voice, but he didn't have the presentation. He didn't he didn't hmm. dig too not too much into this. And so if you can get past the danger mouse on this album, you do get into yeah. what is essentially these old uh, almost blues songs uh, yeah. about the breakdown of you know, let's just assume Kiwanuka is the person, like the narrator, the breakdown of the narrator uh after losing maybe the love of his life, maybe just love this one time, maybe uh and it's very specific in in its in what it's talking about. Yeah. And there's and there is a lot of pain on this album. There's a lot of pain on this album. But, but it's also it, it's, it's good pain. It sort of goes from like forty thousand foot global pain that relates to race and other things. And then in the next song it'll go down to very romantic pain. Yes. And then back out and then yes. back down. And it's you know, even you could just tell by looking at the titles that it's sort of this it's a balance, and that's kind of what's nice about it. It's a balance between big picture uh, societal pains and then very personal mm-hmm. loss, which kind of works, I think. Um, let's play a track right now. Let's uh, get in. The tra- name of this track is One More Night. I think the reason we're playing, uh, not only is it gorgeous, but it's also uh, one of the shortest songs in the album. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk about one of the longest songs in the album when we come back. So uh, this is uh, One More Night off of Michael Kibanuka's, uh Love and Hate. For Michael Kiwanuka, you know that is that almost gets killed by the uh, by the Danger Mouse production. But you know, imagine if that was done by Daptones. I think there's something we, we talked about a good mm. bit uh, by the Daptone label, uh, who who has an, a very deep understanding of the soul. I mean, at the end of the day, this yeah. this was Kiwanuka's decision, and this will get him to a wider audience. Uh, oh, for sure. Whether or not yeah. whether or not it's a good or bad decision, I, I don't think matters because, as you mentioned. 
uh, at the end of the day, it's a stellar fucking album. Mm. But, you know, it is a thing of sometimes artists maybe getting in their own way and being like, we wrote some something really, really good, but it sounds too much like a thing and we can't just commit to it. And so you get pulled out into this. Well, an album like this, you really need the listener to feel pulled in. Yeah. And not for the music to feel kind of walled off yes. and kept safe. I think, um, uh, you know, uh, we don't, you know, we, we've been saying we don't quite know who to blame if it's if it's a Kiwanuka choice or if it's a Danger Mouse thing. But I think, but I think one moment that absolutely does break the mold is the opening track. Oh. Yes, which we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, which goodness. we're not going to play. We're not even going to tease it. Yeah, oh. no. And, Just, and this is why. Uh, when I was talking with Marcus Moore about this album, he wrote said, the review oh, for Pitchfork. He wrote the yeah. review for Pitchfork, who had such a great, line excellent about review. It. Yeah, uh, it took him almost like three months to get past the first song. Mm-hmm. I think everybody in this room that that is the one point on this album where no way, no how should anybody have been associated with this except for Danger Mouse. Uh, the combination mm. of him, yeah, maybe, and Kiwanuka produce something new i think that we Soaring, that yeah. we haven't heard i think carrie likened it to the first half of dark side of the moon it is it is um, well it's very david gilmore yeah it's yeah, a, it's a yeah. nine very david minute gilmore. and he's english so this makes yeah. sense it's a nine minute and 58 track minute track nine, nine minute and 58 it's second track yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. he doesn't come in until five minutes yeah. yep it is it's gorgeous the easily the is probably one of the best songs, probably the best song this year. Easily the best start to an album this year. Yeah. I was trying to make a mix. maybe that I've heard in the past ten years. Sometimes I do these monthly, mm-hmm. and I sent yeah. to you for the thing, and I was trying to figure out a Kiwanuka track. I couldn't put it on the mix because I was like, it's either the first track or the last track or right in mm-hmm. the middle, and I couldn't justify because it was going to dwarf everything around it. Well, yeah, that's part of the. It's so it's its own. It's like a movie. Yeah, and yeah. both of those tracks. It's funny. That you mentioned the uh, putting the last track on there like that, both of those tracks escape all of what we've been talking about. The last track, there's a point where right. his voice cracks, yeah. Yeah. and it all, and at, as soon as that happens, it you, you like you're, well, you're talking about you're in. Yeah, the guitar solo at the end of that of the last track too. There's a Excellent. there's like there's like a riff that he botches though, yeah. and they didn't go over and you know they didn't go back and fix it. Right, right. They just right. they just let him like pause and take a couple seconds off and then jump back in yeah um yeah it's a really nice coda patrick you you wanna i don't have that much else to say i mean i think i think we all are 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 pretty on board with this i think the overuse of the chorus is probably on danger mouse Mm -hmm. i i do think that first track is really going to be one of the great songs of 2016 like uh, of the decade, it's just phenomenal, and it's its own. Like, sort yeah, of film. It, it is. You know, if if you this album's been out a while, so you yeah. can find it on Spotify, Apple Music. You can find it on Deezer. Oh, I know what I was going to yeah. say. No. Sorry, <laughs> um, but you know, if you Tinder, haven't, if you're listening Tinder, to us right? and you haven't heard that yet, stop, hit pause, listen. and yeah. then go listen so, to this track. So my question is, because this happens a lot with Danger Mouse, and for with certain artists, is this the album that? allows Michael Kiwanuka to make an entire album full of cold little hearts. I mean, is this the album? It's a, it's a yeah. very good like, question. Like yeah. Black Keys did an album with Danger Mouse mm-hmm. that was okay. Uh, Black and White, is it called? Or what if you like the Black Keys, sure. Black and Blue. And then the next one was uh, <laughs> Brothers, which was much better. I don't really celebrate the catalog, Patrick. Anyway, the point is, uh, sometimes when people work with him, they... They come to learn about production and who yeah. they are and what they are yeah, and yeah. how that works and it doesn't, whether that's for good or bad or whatever. And the next album is even better. So could we get an album? Like, can Kiwanuka go and do an album that's got, it's these first two songs and maybe the fourth and fifth song and that the whole album is on that level? I mean, that's kind of the question I was asking. Is this the, as good as this is? Because I think we all think it's very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Like what, a kind of what I started writing down uh, last night and today was like, is there something more coming here? Because the first album was very folky, 
folk soul. Yeah, but, yeah, but it was pretty straightforward. This is a whole. I, a whole I don't think thing. anyone who's reviewed this, and I've even heard the sound opinions, is is not like sort of taken aback by how much of a step forward this is. It's a, guess, it's a huge step. I guess forward. the question I'm starting to ask is, and it's a is, step forward into different territory, right? Is there another step? Like, what's going to come next? And is this the transition album, or is this? Well, the I think album? this gets into when uh, Cold Little Heart, the first song, when that was recorded in the process. Hmm. If hmm. And this is pure speculation, no way of knowing this. But if you're sitting in the studio, and this is the first thing you do, or even the third thing you do, and that just comes out, I would be inclined to change course. Yeah, right. Like right. we just it's completely like didn't understand what we we're doing. Right. It's like, we we opened it's up like a it's new from thing. a different yeah. album. Yes. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And. uh but yet it works perfectly. No, here. well, you, yeah. And, it, op- and it opens up the album into this, you know, it, it is, like you said, it's the long intro, it's the movie, it's, it's the scene, the montage going into this, and then after that you're seeing the aftermath right down to the final frame. Yeah, but... but which not, but not to nine drive the cinema... Of, nine songs of denouement is not the best way to sequence an album. Right, but, right, but not to drive the cinematic like metaphor into the ground, but right. the, the last song is called The Final Frame. Right. There's... I'm 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 about to go out on a huge limb here. Can't um, wait. <laughs> mistakes were made. Let me just say in advance. Um, no, I think you know uh, the way the way Black Star opens the Bowie album, Uh-oh. right? Which is this huge, ambitious, daring, challenging, beautiful moment. Stop crying, Patrick. <laughs> and uh, and then and then you have to figure out how to to your point, Kevin, yeah. right? How to have an album that can follow right. that and yeah. not be dwarfed by it. And, and, yes, but, and that's part of the issue with black star in a way, but, but, but Bowie largely, I think, I think even, you know, in the moment when we were reviewing it before, you know, when he was still living, when he was still among us, um, we, we thought that he managed to follow up. Yeah. Yeah. In that it, song. Well, well, it's a seven right. song album though, too. I, right. Which is, yeah. which is key, which right. is absolutely key. Um, and it has some long songs on it, uh, where I keep, you know, I keep having these quibble. This happened the last time we were talking about it too. Like I kept quibbling with this album. Like there's something about it. Like to me, it's almost, um, I said this last time in the last recording that like I could recommend this album to just about anyone I know and they would probably like it, Yeah, which is both great and sort of speaking to maybe a lack of specificity like like i like albums that where, where i can be like right. oh wait, wait no this is not for you you're a good friend of mine right like i respect you but but this particular recording is not for you this other one is mm-hmm. um i think everyone i know would like this album. i think there are people who are gonna lo- who are gonna get a little lost in the middle second half of this album i think it's got a sort of weak patch but uh, it's it's I don't a think minor that'll matter to to and 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 we've talked about this a lot lately on this podcast. Target audience, target audience yeah. is the NPR, NPR audience, audience, and they cargo shorts, cargo shorts, yeah, and they, and, and they see this. This is this is safe soul, even though I don't think this is a safe album. If you yeah. if you are in an emotionally fragile place, do not listen to this yeah. album. <laughs> yeah, you will stay down there, and uh, yeah. you will uh, maybe not make good decisions. It's. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, you know, it's a, it, as far as just narratively, it's a motherfucker of a statement from this guy uh, who, you know, probably isn't feeling all these things, but the fact that he can write yeah. them is, yeah. and, and have yeah. it be as universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, lyrically, it's it's a lot of pronouns, which works and doesn't work. Right. But, yeah. I just wish that he had, uh, it was just a personal preference, uh, looked at how this was being produced a little more. <laughs> And because the way it is now, it keeps it from being like it's undeniably a great fucking album, uh, but it could have been a classic album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's splitting hairs because look, it's one of the year's best albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely so. And, and and I'm starting off this time like it's it's yeah. a buy. Right. It's a it's a buy 100. percent You need you need to hear this. You need to uh, support it. Uh, but. So close to being a classic album that, like, fifty years from now, we're gonna be listening to it instead of ten. Yeah, right. Eduardo, where are you going? <sighs> um, there's there's one more thing I want to say that I didn't get to say, which yeah. is that what uh, Patrick, which is for fun. Yeah, Patrick. I, um, I was reading his uh, Spotify bio a couple weeks ago, 
And it, it talks about his uh, growth as an artist and that he started out being really into Radiohead. Mm-hmm. And then he yeah, heard, and then he heard Bill Withers and other uh, things, mm-hmm. and decided to that you know, yeah. that's where music should go. So I would like, so even though I've quibbled a shit ton with this album so far, and it's m- maybe not fair of me to do so, I would like to just publicly commend Michael Kiwanuka for moving on from Radiohead because that's what. All, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what but it's his what, favorite Radiohead album is a moonshaped uh, pool. Which episode? By like, the way, by the way, you like, had some, you retweeted something, but Kyle Kinney said he saw someone being pulled out of a Radiohead show, but <laughs> yes. he, you assumed he fell asleep. What yeah, was it? Yeah, Can yeah, you yeah. It, was, that? It, it was someone being taken out of a Radiohead show on a stretcher, and the assumption was that the person had been put to sleep <laughs> by the oh, no. terrible new material. Oh, anyway, stop, congratulations stop. to Mr. Kiwanuka okay for moving album. on from Radiohead. Um, I, no, I think... It's... <laughs> Man. Is every podcast that Eduardo is on is now just an opportunity to bash Radiohead? Is that what happened? May. It's like me with uh, What's-Her-Face. You know, the first the first take of this uh, album, I didn't mention the Radiohead thing. So if you want to go back to the, the origins gonna... of this this diatribe here, go back to episode number 184. We're, we're, we're reviewing, uh, we're reviewing the uh, new album from Radiohead, The Moonshaped Pool. Uh, that's not that long ago. That's like 30 episodes. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 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 what are you gonna do anyway bye yeah all right patrick yeah i'm I'm a bye i i think the only thing i would add is i i really hope and i've alluded this already i think if kiwanuka can deliver another step on the promise of this album that's part of why i'm buying it i think there's another i'm not saying this isn't good enough because it's It's unquestionably good i think the the question now is I have, I have very high hopes and high expectations for what comes next from him as an artist. And that's something to be celebrated. Yeah. And that means is a real step He's forward. He's playing here in October. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to be lobbying to uh, yeah. talk to him. Get him. And, uh, awesome. We can, uh, you guys can be here. We can pull a future birds. Uh oh. He can, he, he can like cuss us out <laughs> he can, and tell he, us he how, can sit here and tell us how good it shit. was to work with Danger Mouse. Look, fuck there you, are Danger Mouse albums that we all like, there and there yeah. are plenty of Danger Mouse albums that are even not my favorite albums by that artist, Black Keys, as an instant, uh, an example, that I think are still good albums. I just feel yeah. like I think we've all heard so much Danger Mouse, yeah. and we're so tuned into what the signature pieces are that I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we'll see him. We'll His see stamp him. We'll is him. on this a lot. We'll see him in Rocktober. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, thank you guys for coming down. And uh, that is Michael Kiwanuka's Love and Hand. Get it. Trip and bye. Do it. On my own, all my hope is gone. I dig my knees into the ground. Oh, I know. It's so hard to see Look what you've done to me I'm falling I'm falling I'm falling again Thanks again to Eduardo and Patrick for coming down and hanging out and drinking a few beers, talking about some music. Always a pleasure to hang out with those guys. Uh, the fact of the matter is they usually have uh, better stuff to say than I do anyways. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll turn the podcast over to them. That would be cool. I could take a nap. Um, Michael Kiwanukas, Love and Hate. I think it's clear. Your choice is here. You need to go out and get it. It's one of the best albums of the year uh, by a long shot, and uh, we'll be talking about it at the end of the year. So get familiar with it. It's on all your streaming services, but, you know, go out and buy it. Get the vinyl. Put it in your collection. Enjoy it. And get his first album, Home Again. Great, great catalog so far. Uh, before we get out of here this week, like I said up front, we're going to play a little track from a band named Zula from Brooklyn, New York City. Uh, the name of the track we're going to play is Getting Warm. It's off their upcoming uh, album, Grasshopper. It's going to be out 826. Now, this is a, a four-piece, and they're best described as almost uh, dance punk, dance pop. Uh, it's the, the music is sort of all over the place in a really good way. I mean, this goes from I, not as hard as LCD sound system, but, you know, that that sort of ideal, that history, you know, you had talking heads back in the day, uh, veers up into 
Animal Collective territory, uh, a little more psychedelic. So, all in all, it's a uh, it's a nice little nice little head trip for your ears. So, let's play the track now. Here you go. This is going to be getting warm by Zula.
name of the track is Getting Warm. It is off the album Grasshopper. That will be available for you to uh, get your mitts on 826. It's August 26, 2016, and I believe they're out on tour now. So you can go see them and, uh, and catch them if you dug that. And uh, I'm pretty sure pretty sure you did. Like I said, I've seen them live, and they, they, they quite fairly rock it. That is our podcast uh, for today and our last podcast for this week. We thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you like what you heard, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Deezer. Um, if, if you really like what you're, you're hearing, you can leave us a comment or leave us a rating. Those ratings in in, uh, in iTunes, well, they don't really mean much, but the more we get, the more uh, better guests we can get. You know, This year we've had like Phil Cook, we've had uh, Bob Boylan, We've had Mail the Horse on. We've had Robert Ellis. You know, all these good things. But but we like sort of being able to to point to this thing and say, hey, this is this is the good work we're doing. These people like it, and uh, maybe you would want to talk to them. Not just talk to me, but talk to talk to you guys. Because uh, that's a, sort of what we're doing this for. Um, so, yeah, you do that. Do yourself a favor and get out and see some live music this week. Until then, be good to your ears and be better to your people. We will talk to you soon. Kenobi! <laughs> 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 <laughs>